Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. First Corinthians 13 is the famous love chapter. You want to know what love is? Read 1 Corinthians 13, what love does and what love is. And it closes out with this wonderful verse that may be very familiar with you, and it's just the starting point for the message this morning. It was written to a troubled church in a pagan culture. It was written in a time when there was rampant immorality and politics was ruining society and culture. And Paul wrote this letter of 1 Corinthians to a, a church in trouble. If I were to ever move from First Baptist Ocean Springs, I pray it's not to the church at Corinth. They're trouble. They have a lot of issues. But Paul says to them, You're my brethren. You're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful we can be imperfect people and have our struggles and still be God's people in Christ Jesus? I'm thankful my acceptance before God is not based upon my perfection or my goodness or my fine qualities, but it's rather based upon the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abides faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. There's a lot of important words in that one verse. One of the most important words is the word abides. Faith, hope, and love in Christ Jesus. You gain faith, hope, and love when you know Christ as your Savior. And the Bible says these things abide. They never leave. They never abandon. They never forsake. You always have in you and at your disposal, the great things of faith, hope, and the greater thing, love. And it's because of the cross and the grave and the resurrection of Christ. Faith, hope, and love. But if you're anything like me, you know sometimes we go through seasons of life, situations and circumstances Maybe they are conditions of our experience that we don't have any control over. A lot of times, 
it may be our own attitudes and our own faults on the other side that um, cause these things to seem very far away. But the Bible says faith, hope, and love abide. They never leave home. They never leave us. They're always at our disposal in Christ Jesus. Now, if, you, if you're not in Christ Jesus, this faith, hope, and love that he's talking about is not yours. But if you're in Christ Jesus, you always have this faith, this hope, and this great love. It's always with you. But you do, we don't always experience it. And I want to talk to you today. Perhaps you are away from one of these qualities in your experience right now. And you're going through something that, that you don't have a lot of hope. Maybe faith is, is kind of going by the wayside and you don't feel very much loved and you don't feel very lovely either. I want to talk to you about that real quickly today and how the resurrected Christ, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, can help you with that and minister to you during this time. You see, faith abides, but sometimes we can fail our faith. When they were singing about the cross a moment ago, I thought of, of uh, Peter uh, who... Uh, had made a great statement one day. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And, and they answered the question. They say, you're all kinds of prophet. You're a John the Baptist, resurrected. You're this, you're that. And then Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter, like Peter loved to do, he just busted out and said it. He was always the one who, who had something to say. You ever met anybody like that? That was Peter. And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Blessed. You're blessed because flesh and blood hadn't revealed that to you, but the Spirit of God's revealed that to you. And I'm going to use you to establish the people of God and start the church. And he did. Peter preached the first sermon of the church, the birthday of the church. And then just a few chapters, a few verses, just a few verses later, inches later in your Bible, Jesus starts telling them, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to go die at the hands of the Gentiles. And they're going to crucify me. I'm going to die. And then he said, but I'm also going to rise again. He never once talked about the cross without talking about the resurrection. Never once. He has the big picture in mind. Well, old Peter said, oh, no, Lord, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. So in one verse, he's saying, Simon, you're blessed because you're listening to the Spirit of God. And then two verses later or so, he's saying, get thee behind me, Satan. That's just like us. Faith sometimes just lapses. We just fail our faith. Well, there was another man who failed in his faith, and his name was Thomas. We like to call him what? Doubting Thomas. That's what we call him. He really wasn't that way because it's, it's just based upon one experience in his life where he did doubt, and, and he's labeled Doubting Thomas. But you got to understand, this is the same guy who said when Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem and was going to die, this is the same man who said, let's go down there and die with him. This, he was called a son of thunder. This man was 
This man was a powerful man. He was bold. And one time in his life, he lost faith, got discouraged, and everybody for 2,000 years calls him Doubting Thomas. Isn't that one, one, one mess up can mark us for life? Isn't that something? Have you been marked by one mess up? Well, I have. There's people I see. I remember when you did this. They don't remember anything else. But they remember when I messed up. I remember when you came to our house and you ate all the cupcakes. That's all they remember. <laughs> all they remember. Well, Thomas was like that. This man had walked with Jesus for three years. He had stood strong. He was faithful. But after the cross... His faith doesn't fail, but he fails the faith. His faith always abides. That's what Paul said, but he didn't abide. Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 20 and verse 19. I want to show you what happened to Thomas. Chapter 20, verse 19. This is after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. It's a glorious time. And uh, this is that Sunday. This is that Sunday he rose again. And John chapter 20 and verse 19, if you want to use a pew Bible, it's on page 1,523. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled because they were afraid of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of of them and said, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. In other words, you're in the ministry of making sure people know their sins can be forgiven with the gospel. But look at verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Accept I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. I'm not going to have my faith unless I see him and touch him. And after eight days, poor old Thomas was hard-headed for eight days. And after eight days again, his disciples were inside, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the middle and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach here your finger, behold my hands. Reach your hand. When he was arrested, when Jesus was arrested, they all forsook him and fled. I, I can imagine the regret and the... the the embarrassment and the, the sadness they must have felt for what they had done when they abandoned the Lord. They ran away, Thomas one of them. Thomas just didn't gather with them. He didn't come back, and he's, he's not there with them when Jesus shows up on that Sunday evening of his resurrection. 
and he misses out. He's not gathered with God's people, and they, they go out and they find him, and they say, Thomas, we've seen him. We, we've seen him. And he says, unless I touch his hands and his side, I'm not going to believe. You can't convince me. I don't know what, you know, just as much boldness in his lack of faith as he did when he was strong in his faith. Bold people are bold people. And so, here we have Thomas. I, uh, I read a sermon or listen to a sermon every day, one or the other, either uh, one of my own or most of the time somebody else's. And one of the most memorable sermons I ever read was about 20 years ago, and it was written by a fellow by the name of Van Wren. And it was entitled, The Tragedy of the Empty Seat. And it was about Thomas, who wasn't gathered with God's people that day, and he missed out. He missed out on the peace of God. He missed out on the people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, the people who would do him good. And he missed out on the purpose of the Christian, and that's evangelism, to share the forgiveness of sin. You know, folks, we live in a day when people are abandoning the faith. Abandoning the faith. Yesterday I did a wedding up in North Mississippi for two of our kids that grew up here in First Baptist. And um, I I've been, was their childhood pastor and the only pastor they ever remembered. One of them, I'm the only pastor they ever remember. And uh, I took the point of personal privilege to preach a little bit. I said, I think I deserve to preach a little bit. And I talked to them about their parents and how faithful their parents have been to the Lord. And I said, the Bible says that when a man gets married, he is to leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. And I looked at the young man. I said, that means you need to have a job so you're off daddy's payroll so you can take care of your wife. That's what that means. At least that's what it's going to mean in my house. But anyway, uh, I said... But there's some things you never need to leave, and one is, is the faith of your parents. I'm not here to rebuke anybody today, but I want to encourage all of you in your church attendance. We live in a day now, did you know 70%, 70% of children who grow up in church, when they graduate high school, they graduate from the church, and they leave it. They may come back, they may not. But when that study was done, we haven't had time for them to mature and grow up and realize the real issues of life and how much they need the family of God. You see, what happens is, is Thomas abandoned the family of God and then he abandoned his faith. You abandon your family of God, the family, you're going to abandon the faith of the family. And I want to encourage you in your church attendance. Folks, we need to get that back in America. We need to get back the Lord's Day. Sunday is the Lord's Day. That's why we celebrate on Sunday morning. That's why we gather on Sunday morning. We, we, don't, gather, we don't gather on the Sabbath day. We Christian folk celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. That's why we gather on the Sundays, the first day of the week. But you know what the world tells us? The world tells us Sunday's the weekend. And it gets us in this mindset, well, that's the weekend. That's my weekend. No, this is day one. The week begins today. I want to encourage you 
in your church attendance. Uh, if you're visiting with us, you're from out of town, go find a good old-fashioned Bible-preaching church where they preach verse-by-verse uh, verse from the Scriptures and get in it and be faithful. If you live here in town, you're always welcome at First Baptist Ocean Springs. We preach verse-by-verse. Verse. Right now, we're in 2 Samuel. Man, we're talking about blood and guts and kings and all kinds of stuff on Sunday morning. We have to get the kids out of here because it's uh, rated R. But uh, I want to encourage you. You're always invited to come. Matter of fact, I'm going to do this now. I was going to do this later, but I'm going to do it now. I'm going to take personal privilege. When you leave here, church folks, listen. When you leave here on the table about there, over here, and then one on the Who's Your Mission table right back here, we have something new for you. It's called an invite card. And it says, You're invited. 10.30 a.m., Sunday service, and it has a picture of the uh, congregation. I don't know if that was staged or not, but uh, on the back it has a QR code, and it, they can Q, QR it on their phone, and it takes you directly to our website, in particular on the website, uh, a message where we share the plan of salvation. My goal is to be able to go somewhere in town and pull out one of these cards and say, hey, I want to give you an invite card. This card invites you to First Baptist Church Ocean Springs, and I want to hear people say, I've had a whole bunch of people give me one of them. <laughs> Amen? So these are your invite cards. Pick them up. I challenge you. Pick them up and take them. Amen? Can you do that? That's part of who's your mission. And so Thomas, he didn't have the peace of God, and you can be involved and faithful to worship on Sunday morning, and you know you'll have the peace of God. He said, peace be unto you twice, and he missed it both times. But the Lord was faithful to him. The Lord loved him and blessed him and got him where he needed to be. That's what happens. Well, faith abides, but sometimes we can fail our faith. And then also, hope abides, but sometimes we flee our hope. We flee the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Go with me over to the Gospel of Luke real quickly. Luke chapter 24 I want to show you Luke 24, verse 13. Uh, after the cross, um, and apparently this is um, uh, after the, uh, you know, it's after they had found out that from the ladies who went to the tomb. By the way, ladies were the first one to go to the tomb, and they were the first ones to, to know that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, they all should have known because Jesus told them time and time again, but ladies... Now, that's an amazing thing because you know what? The testimony of women was not accepted back then. That was just not in their culture. But God just recorded it like it happened. And uh, that's one way we know the Scripture is true. He just told us how it was. And uh, two of the, of the disciples are, are just walking away. They're just leaving. And the Bible says two of them went that same day, verse 13 of Luke 24, to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about uh, six or seven miles from Jerusalem. And it came to pass while they communed together and reasoned. They tried to figure out all the things that happened in the last few days. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were, were holding, the Bible says, uh, and they, they, so they couldn't recognize him. They, they, they couldn't recognize the Lord. 
And he said unto them, What are you talking about? What manner of communications are these that have one with another as you walk and are sad? What, what, what are you so sad about? And one of them whose name was Cleopas answered and said unto him, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem and, hasn't, and, and you haven't heard the news and what's been going on, what's been happening in the last days? And he said unto them, What are you talking about? What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But, look at verse 21, But we hoped that it had been he who would deliver and redeem Israel. And it's the third day since these things have happened. He said certain women went to the tomb and they came back and told us he had risen. They saw angels and all of that stuff, but we just don't know. We don't have any hope anymore. Then verse 25, Jesus gives them a mild rebuke. He says, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And verse 27, the Bible says Jesus began to start in the book of Genesis and he went all the way through to the prophet Malachi showing how the Old Testament points to him. That's what we're learning in 2 Samuel, how the Old Testament always points to Jesus. This book is about Jesus. And it says... He, he, he expounded everything to them, and they were just amazed, and uh, it, it just touched their hearts. And when they got to where they were going, it says, verse 29, they constrained him, saying, Hey, stay with us, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went and tarried with them. And the Bible says when they sat down to eat, he took bread, Jesus took bread, and he blessed it and broke the bread, and he handed the bread to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he was gone. He vanished out of their sight, and they looked at each other, and I love verse 32. Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked? he talked with us along the way? As he shared the word of God with them about himself, their hearts burned while he opened to us the Scriptures. Their hope had fled away. They'd fled from their hope. We had hoped. We live in a day, folks, of a lot of hopelessness. We have a lot of hopelessness in our day today. Um, and it's a quick way to get hopeless. It's only six or seven miles to that city. They weren't far out of Jerusalem and they were hopeless. And I want, I want to share something with you, a couple of things that... that indicated to me the hopeless condition we live in. Shortly after uh, COVID was over, I was volunteering for a city event, and they put me on traffic control uh, down here by Bradford O'Keefe, and they said, your job is to keep these barricades up and don't let anybody on a bicycle or a golf cart or anything pass these barricades because the, the thing's going downtown, and you you got to just... Oh, I have never been so mistreated in my life. Some of them people I want to say, are you a Baptist? Because, you know, I mean, we hope not. But they, and it was me and, and old Bobby Cox were working that, and a, and a lady came up in a, in a cart, and uh, she had uh, 
a, a lot of uh, to-go plates, you know, the styrofoam to-go plates in her cart. And she says, I need to get down there to those apartments. And uh, I said, well, ma'am, we're not supposed to let anybody uh, go over there. We, I can't let you pass. And, and she kind of looked at me, wanted to say, Barney Fife, let me pass. <laughs> I said, uh, well, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm delivering meals. This is, you know, a ministry we have, and it's Meals on Wheels. And she was with one of the, the civic organizations. And I said, oh, well, and the guy said, ride with her. So we drove over those apartments. And uh, she took a plate and another plate and she put it on the on a bench by the door knocked on the door walked away got in the cart and drove off and I said uh, you can't hand it to them and she said that person has not left their apartment in two years to contact anybody so we knock on the door they look out the window, and when they see us drive off, they'll come out and get their food and go back in. And I said, they're hopeless. And she said, they're hopeless. Not only does it affect people in that capacity, but our young people. I believe, I will tell you this, I believe we have, Mr. Baggett, I think you might agree with me, one of the a generation of hopelessness in our young people. They have all contact in the whole world that I never had. I mean, I, I, I still remember doing this. And you could only walk so far. Remember that? But they can contact and be contacted by the whole world. And we have a hopeless generation the suicide rate among young people today is astronomical. It's an amazing thing. A little boy that I've dove hunted with, him and his daddy, on occasion, once a year for a few years. Wonderful man. I'm trying to get him down here, the daddy down here, to speak to the football players on one of our pregame meals. But his son committed suicide. A little boy I hunted with, Walker. We call him Hammer. That's his nickname. He gets up in his room and he gets on social media and the next thing you know, he's taking his own life. And they found out it was an extortion scheme out of Nigeria. His daddy's on Fox News talking about it. We have a, a hopeless... We, uh, there's just a lot... Even among... Forgive me, but even among the good kids, there's a lot of hopelessness today. And I want to tell you why I think it is. Or at least one, one fundamental reason. And one way that you and I can take a look at it and hit it hard pretty good is we put our hope in two things that are idolatry. We put our hope in our politics. Every four years, we get somebody in office and 50% of the country is glad and the other 50% is sad. And the church is the same way. 
And then four years later, we hope to get glad or we, hope to, or we think we're going to be sad. And it's church people who do that. The old hymn says, My hope is built on nothing less than Donald Trump and his righteousness. <laughs> or my hope is built on nothing less than Joe Biden and his righteousness. But we are born-again, blood-bought believers who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope needs to be in him. We are not of this world. Amen. Amen. Our hope needs to be on Jesus. And we need to quit griping and complaining in front of our children about this political situation we're in and about the problems we're having in this nation and look at them and start talking more about Jesus. Amen. He has won the victory. We are winners. We are winners. We are winners. We are more than conquerors. Why in the world are we moping around? With no hope, our children need to know we have our hope in Christ and we need to preach it, we need to live it, we need to be a happy people because our hope is in Christ. Amen. That's where it is. It's in nowhere else. Oh, man, look. Go to the pumps, you pay three fifty dollars a gallon, sing, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Amen. <laughs> I mean, hallelujah, Right? When, they, when the choir was singing that uh, last uh, group of songs, I leaned over and Cole leaned over, almost hit each other in the head. And I said to Cole, notice the smiles on the choir's face singing these grand hymns. And then Cole said, I was about to say, if that medley doesn't make you smile, something's wrong with you. Amen. I won't tell you, our hope is in Christ. So the, these guys on the way to Emmaus had put their hope in the wrong place. Amen. See, this is what they said. You hadn't heard what happened in Jerusalem to, to Jesus of Nazareth, a great prophet, a, a, a mighty indeed, did some great things. We had hoped he would redeem Israel. See, what they were saying was Jesus came and he did great things and he said good things and they killed him. We were hoping he'd get rid of the Romans. We were hoping that, that he would run the Romans out and Israel would be its sovereign nation again. But Jesus didn't come to get rid of Romans. He didn't come to do good deeds. He did, but he didn't come to do good deeds. He didn't come to just say great things. He said great things. We preach from them every Sunday. But that's not why he came. He came to die for our sins, take them to the grave, resurrect in glory, and give us the same hope of his resurrection. That's what he came to do. So let's put our hope in the right place. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a vow to you. Next time there's an election... I'm going to watch Andy Griffith reruns and get up the next morning and not worry about it. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to go vote, and I'm going to cast my vote. If you ask me how to vote, I'll tell you how to vote, but uh, I'm not going to worry about it because, look, I don't need a city alderman or a mayor. I don't need a governor. I don't need a representative. I don't need a president because I've got a king, <laughs> and he's a living king. Amen. And he's given me his life in Christ Jesus. Let's don't lose hope. Don't flee from your hope. He didn't come to fix the world. 
We put our hope in our plans. That's the second thing. We put our hope in our plans. How many times have you had your plans get changed? I plan on doing it. Boy, I'm looking forward to retirement. I had one of our wonderful church members, you're here today, say, Preacher, are you thinking about retirement? Don't ask your preacher that. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, you know, I, 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 I'm all right. I'm healthy. I mean, and the next thing, do you want me to retire? <laughs> well, I won't tell you what. Your plans can change, folks. Jesus says he'll take care of us. Amen. Let's have our hope in Christ Jesus. So how do you quit from running away from the hope you have in Christ Jesus? Well, first of all, get to the Word of God, verses 25 through 28. Boy, their hearts burned within them. And then also you fellowship with Jesus. You fellowship with Him. And then the third thing is you, you, you realize He'll get you back and you spend time in prayer with Him. Now look, they recognized Him, not when He preached, but when he blessed the bread and gave it to them. Maybe, maybe there was something about the way he prayed. Maybe there was something when he broke the bread, they recognized the Last Supper, or, or they recognized when he fed the 5,000. Or maybe when he extended that piece of bread to them, they saw the nails in his hands, the nail prints in his hands. I don't know, but that close fellowship Intimacy with Christ is what restored their hope. And look what they said. Jesus was all of a sudden gone. He was just gone. He vanished. That's what he did after his... It's how he did it. He was gone. And they looked at each other and they said, Did not our hearts burn within us when he shared with us the Word of God? Let me tell you something. Without the Word of God, you're going to have heartburn. But with the Word of God, your heart's going to burn. Amen? That's what happened. But there's a third thing that we have, and that's love real quickly, and I know, I know we're almost done. Listen to me. Love abides, but sometimes we can fade in our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the church and for others. Go with me to Gospel of John chapter 21, verse 15. You might recognize this account. Peter and the disciples have decided to go fishing. Jesus is is uh, resurrected. They don't know what's happening. They're confused, but he, he goes away and they go fishing. They said, we're going fishing. And they're out there fishing. You got to remember, Peter had denied the Lord three times. Remember that? How guilty he must have felt. How sorry he must have felt. I appreciate the other disciples for not holding it against him. They could have shunned him. Maybe that was Thomas's problem. Maybe Thomas was saying, well, Peter denied him. Peter doesn't believe any more than I do. I don't know. Sometimes we blame other people for our faithlessness, but uh, Peter denied the Lord three times. And I find it very interesting that on resurrection morning when he looked at Mary, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Make sure Peter knows that I resurrected. Jesus loved Peter. Isn't it wonderful how he loves the, the ones who are so unlovable? I can imagine Peter would be unlovable. Now, we're going to get in the truck today and said, you know, Tracy's going to say, you know which disciple you remind me of? Peter. 
But his love for us never fades. It abides. But you know, our love for him can fade. And if you ever heard this text expounded upon, you probably heard that when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? With the all-giving love, he used the, the, the noun agape love, which is God's kind of love. Same kind of love in John 3.16, the agape, all-giving love that expects nothing in return. This is all me. This is my love for you. And you also know that Peter responded three times. He asked him, and the third time Jesus used the word phileo because that's how Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know I phileo you, which is a give-and-take love. It's a, it's a fondness of, uh, of love, a give-and-take. Agape love says, I love you, period. Phileo love says, I love you because, you see. And, and God wants us to love him, period. Uh, because of who he is. But Peter is honest. So look at verse 15. It says, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these do? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And he said, Well, feed my lambs. Go to work. If that's the love you have for me, that's fine. Go to work. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, follow me, follow me. And he said, Lord, yes, you, you know that's my love for you. And he said, well, feed my sheep. Go to work. Go serve me. And he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, follow me. That's it. That's, that's where you are. And Peter was grieved. He was burned. He said, Lord, are you disappointed? I'm being honest with you, the level of my love for you. And, Lord, you know all these things. And he said, feed my sheep, Peter. You see, your love may fade for the Lord. Being a pastor, I, I've, I've been tempted with that, and I've known people tempted with that, especially in seasons of life that are sad and hard. It just seems like, Love fades. But notice the Lord didn't write him off all three times. He denied him three times. Jesus affirmed him three times and said, Feed my people, lambs and sheep. Go feed them. Follow me. And that's how love grows. That's how love grows. And you know what? 30 years later, Peter would write two letters feeding the sheep. We've, we've already preached through 1st and 2nd Peter here last year in our church, and he fed the sheep, did exactly what God said he'd do, even with a love that he would admit himself was not what it should be. See, folks, I'm so thankful I'm kept, not by my love for him, but his love for me. And even when love fades, he says, I want you to serve me. And so your faith, hope, and love, the key is fellowship and intimacy with the resurrection of Christ. All three of these things have these in common. Number one, the presence of Jesus. If your faith is struggling and you're not, you're not as faithful as you once were, see, faith is manifested in faithfulness, and you're not as faithful as you once were. Maybe you, you grew up and your parents had you. And, you know, if you had parents like mine... We were there every time the doors were open to grow in the Lord and, 
And, and I, was, I was in church nine months before I was born, three times a week and then other times. And I, I want to tell you, you, that might be you, and you're looking back, and, you, and I know, look, people in the church isn't perfect, but they're perfectible. And you might have been hurt, you might have been criticized, you might, somebody might have, God forbid, but it, probably some pastor hurt you down the road. And, you know, we're not perfect. We, we make mistakes. Sometimes we overlook people and people fall through the cracks and, and we, we, we're not what we ought to be. We certainly aren't. And so maybe it was a pastor and you just kind of slacked off. And it's just time now. It's time to get back and, and gain that faith once again. Or maybe you're hopeless, and you kids, you're looking, what are we going to do in this world? Well, you're going to live for Jesus. That's what you do. You glorify Christ and trust Him. And moms and dads, we need to, we need to talk about the presence of Jesus. Amen. And the purpose of Jesus is also common to these things. All three times He talked about others. He talked about others. He got them on mission. No, I didn't come to get rid of the Romans. I came to send you out to others to share the gospel and love people and show them my way and bring them to Christ. And then the people of Jesus. He got them all back together. These disciples were back. They left Emmaus, went back to Jerusalem. Peter got back on the right track. Thomas got back on the right track with the people of God. And so I pray that you'll fellowship intimately with the resurrected Lord and find him faithful. Let's bow in prayer. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com. 